Welcome to the Grow to Gold podcast. My name is Brett Goldstein and I'll be your host. On today's episode, we have Omar Elatar, creator of the Passionate Few podcast. This man has interviewed well over $10 billion worth of net worth of entrepreneurs and I am super excited to pick his brain on today's episode. So Omar, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing, Brett. Thanks for having me on, man. Excited to uh, dig in and I hope Absolutely. people enjoy it to the very end. Absolutely. Thank you again for joining us. So let's jump right in. So somebody like you that's interviewed as many successful people as you possibly have. I mean, it's, it's incredible to see what you've done so far. What would you say, just to cut right into the, the meat and potatoes of this, what would you say is the biggest common denominator between these entrepreneurs and successful individuals that, you have, that you've had the pleasure to spend some time with? So first off, I love it. Uh, the question is, is phenomenal. And, and you actually, uh, there's an answer inside of the question. And you said, what is the most you know, common denominator you noticed? And interestingly, I've really been thinking about writing a book and I actually chose the name, the common denominator uh, for the book I'm writing. So it's awesome you would ask that. Um, I think really uh, there's two things to keep in mind. There is a lot of ways to look at all the successful people I've interviewed and to deduce the story. And I just want to an answer that question really thoroughly, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing is that it also depends, I find, that where you are in life uh, predicates the weight of importance one point may be over the other as you learn from somebody. So there's a lot of subjective personal stuff, subjective personal stuff that really affects the quality of wisdom and information I've learned. Um, but overall, I would say there's like three fundamentals. Um, and the first one that is abhorrently obvious about some of the most successful people in the world is the fact that they look at their business not as an individual or their mission not as an individual, but they look they think in terms of teams, teams. Whether this is somebody leading their family, whether it's somebody leading a business, it's it's it, you know instead of I, I think most people who struggle, I, you know, I've seen common denominators both on things that work and then you know then I go out into the world when I'm not in these interviews and I see the things that aren't working, right? So you notice common denominators of that side of the coin too, and I find it's very important to decipher the two is people who succeed think in terms of a team moving in the direction of an objective. And there's a very, it's a very, it's a subtle difference, but it, it pans out in a multitude of different ways when you think in terms of team trying to build a business versus individual trying to make some sales and get the ball rolling. A lot of people are afraid to delegate. A lot of people are afraid to know when to delegate. They're afraid to reinvest money back into their business. They doubt themselves. Um, and so that's the second thing, right, is number one, team, right? They have a solid team. Number two is that they're usually an offense. They felt the fear and did it anyways, right? They took action in spite of the fear. Um, they didn't not feel the fear. They weren't, you know, fearless, fearless, fearless and fearlessness. I think it's a, it's a word that's a little bit dangerous because there's no such thing. I talked to, I know some of the top professional skateboarders in the world that ride for Adidas and Nike. When they jump on a 50 stair handrail and they grind down it and, you know, you either, you either land it or, you know, you're in a lot of pain tonight. Um, they feel a tremendous amount of fear, but the fear is used as a, as a counselor, not a jailer, right? Fear should counsel you to approach elegantly, but most people I find misinterpret that and pause and hesitate and, oh, the video has to be perfect, or they spend more time deciding on the name of the business than trying to make a sale or what to wear, you know, instead of how to perform at the meeting or whatever it is. So that's the second thing is they have this offensive mindset. They feel the fear and do it anyways. And last thing, number three is I've learned that time is magic. Um, 
you know, obviously goal setting is important in, in the whole thing, right? And anybody could tell you that. But the three th- three core things that I think aren't talked about are that. Um, number one team, number two offense, um, and number three coming from a mindset of I'm in it for the long haul, right? Time is magic. Things things unfold in ways you can't anticipate with time. I know I'm being long-winded with the answer here, but no, this I'm is giving great. Keep quite, going. Quite, <laughs> quite some thought. Just to wrap up the point is, you know, you may like think of a book, right? I have a book here called The Magic of um, Believing. And, you know, it's a couple chapters long, maybe 10, 12 chapters. Now, if it's a story of an individual, right, we all have a story in our own life. Imagine if at chapter one or chapter two, the book ended. It would suck, right? But you don't know how amazing your chapter three or four or five or six or seven may be. And the longer the book, right, the longer game you're playing, say your business was a book, right? Your journey was a book. You want it to be a chapter? That's everybody who's getting devastated in their 20s. They didn't make a million bucks by their 21st birthday, right? And we all have it at every level, right? I want to make this much by this age or whatever. We fall short of it and we fall into these negative cycles. So I find that some of the most successful people in the world, um, they cook and stuff for a long time. They play the long game. They're not in it for a quick win, chapter one, chapter two. In fact, there's a beautiful analogy I heard from Jeff Bezos. He said the wealthiest people in the world think in terms of longer time horizons, right? If you think of the poorest paid people in the world, what do they do? They sell their hourly rate, right? How much do I get paid an hour, right? And then a little bit higher, it's salary, right? And then it's commissions, right? Sales reps. And then it's profits of the company, right? So as you sort of scale outward, wealth directly correlates with perspective of time. Um, Jeff Bezos, when he was in debt, a lot of people know now that he's one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest man in the world. A lot of people don't know that Amazon was one of the most in-debt companies in the world. I think they were in debt tens of billions of dollars. He was literally the most (laughs) broke in-debt person on earth. But if he wasn't willing to take that risk to be the poorest, he would have never had the chance to have the pendulum swing the other way. You see what I'm saying? People see the surface, but the time horizon is so important. So um, in your own life, in your own business, for whoever's listening, if you take out this thinking of the hour or the week or the month, but you think in terms of a year, two years, five years, 10 years, it takes the anxiety off. And believe it or not, I find that most people succeed faster when they let go of time constraints because they think in an expanded energy space first, I need to make X by December versus how do I lay an amazing foundation? So I have 10 X's by next December. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes total sense. And that reminds me of a quote that I actually just read from Gary Vaynerchuk that says he loves being a marathon runner in a world full of sprinters. And it's the exact same concept. And, and you brought up a great point there that I'd love, I'd love to, I'd love to dovetail off of, which was really the premise of just the ability to think bigger, right? The ability to be more process focused than outcome focused, because mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing. And, and it's a common denominator and feedback I'm getting from my audience that listens to this is a lot of people feel like it's very hard for them to focus on the process instead of the outcome because they need to make a certain amount of money. They have certain amount of overhead and all of these things that are causing them to almost feel a bit of scarcity when they know mm-hmm. the answer is abundance. So my question to you is, Omar, and maybe you've experienced this in your own life or in some of these interviews, how do you focus on the process instead of the outcome? Yeah, so number one, I think most people are chasing values that are untrue to them. I think that's the, that's the foundational point. I think most people have goals on their to-do list that they think should be their goal, but is not actually their goal. 
And I think it's, um, you, they may hear that and be like, oh, you know, that, that might have some truth to it. But the degree to which this ruins most achievement to me is staggering. I think this is not the sexiest, you know, thing in the world. It doesn't sound super sexy, but I think it's, it's totally true is, you know, when, when you think back, right, if some, you know, think back to say you were 14, 15, 16, maybe you played video games, depending on the generation you were in, right? Maybe you skated or you played a sport or you like to talk to girls or after school, if you're a guy or, you know, whatever you had your social friends, right? When you think about a time when you were a kid where for years on end, you were consistent at doing something multiple times a day, multiple times a week, whether it's sport, a hobby, a craft, school, whatever it is, and you actually did show up in spite of having resistance and having distractions and all these things, what was it about those things that made it effortless to be consistent, to trust the process? Think about a kid who plays video games. He requires zero external motivation to play video games when he's 14 years old. He's in the zone. Now, a lot of people would say, oh, that's being lazy or that's, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is there's kids making millions of dollars playing video games. And you know what? If they enjoy it, if it brings them personal fulfillment, it's inspired a generation of coders and people to develop technologies and video games that creates new industries and creates new jobs. And there's, you know, so to place judgments on where people lose things, I think that's why subconsciously people go, oh, I can't do that. And so you, you lose this kid-like nature to go try things. What about this? What about that? Let me... Let me eat the gummy bear. Let me talk to Susie. No, let me talk to Katie. No, okay, I don't like any. Let me talk to her. Okay, let me try gummy bears. Let me try playing soccer. Let me try baseball. Let me try math. Let me try, right? And you find your thing. You don't, most kids don't go like, hey, mom, how come I can't be consistent at my passion or craft or hobby when they're 11 or 12? They just go try things. They don't get rational about it and start overthinking it, right? No head, no headache. And so, um, I think I think the, the the big issue is that people, bottom line, are not pursuing goals that are aligned with their truest vision and values. They're not aligned, and if you're not aligned, um, you'll know it because you won't be consistent. You'll know you're consistent when you're in flow, and the way you create flow, I think, is to really spend time with yourself. I think aligning. Um, for me, I do it through meditation, but it's it's such a non-specific answer that most people don't listen and I didn't as well I self-sabotaged myself many times over not following this advice you know I, I you know every sales rep just to get practical for for your listeners to bring them value you know I'm sure we've all had a number that we wanted to hit this amount of money a month you know maybe first it was 5000 a month and then it's the you know the big hairy 10000 a month and then you hit it and you're like woohoo and then you're like what's next and then you want 15 and then 20 and then Maybe I could run a team and make overrides. Maybe I can make 50 or 100, right? Or maybe you're in whatever industry, man, woman, or child, any, anywhere around the world, like this is applicable, is you have these goals. But what I found is that those goals tend to be better suited when they are byproducts of a, something bigger, right? If your goal is the Ferrari, you will probably get the Ferrari eventually, but that will be your peak. Wouldn't you rather your goal be to be something above it so the Ferrari's easy, right? And there's a many million metaphors, right, to whatever the thing is, right? Like Arnold Schwarzenegger used to say, like, uh, I was listening to his biography, and he said that he didn't just, when he would go compete in fitness, people would visualize that they, that they would win. And he said, but I knew that they were visualizing that. So I had to out-visualize them. So I out-visualized embarrassing all of them, not just winning, but like embarrassing, right? So it's, I think, and as a byproduct, he became a movie star. He became, right, like an even bigger possibility is possible for you. But if you don't align, it's kind of like having a vacuum, right? There's a metaphor. It's beautiful metaphors. Imagine there's a vacuum and 
for you listeners out there and Brett, you can roll with this metaphor is like, if you have your dream mansion, right? The, the, the house, the life, your dreams, whatever it is, right? Even if you're not into mansions, just roll with the metaphor here. If I have a vacuum and I, and the house is say dirty, you want to clean it up. And I vacuum the whole house up, down, left, right, every floor, every room I'm vacuum spending hours. And at the end of a long day, I go through the house and it's not clean and it's still a mess. I go, what the hell? I spent all day vacuuming. Why isn't it clean? I did all the work, quote unquote, right? I'm doing all the work. Why am I not hitting my goals? I'm trusting the process, right? And then it's like, oh, because I didn't plug in the vacuum first. Because when you Mm -hmm. plug in the vacuum, you can now, it actually has power. The work has power. Not all action is equal. Not all action is equal. Not every sales call is equal. Not every door knock is equal. The quality of it, that's what matters. And if you do that, you are now maximizing your odds in favor of things going your way. Because if you see, plugging in the metaphor here in life to the, to the, to the home situation is that if you plug in, you can align and grind. You can vacuum the whole house and it'll work. But if you're not plugged in, it doesn't matter. You can do all the work in the world and it'll, your life, your house will still be a mess. That and was so, beautiful. That was beautiful. So, yeah. So I encourage people to plug in, align. You know, and the way you and the way you do that is to check this out. You don't have to self-generate the power notice. All you have to do is plug in and chill. The power will flow through you. You don't have to generate the power in the wall and then right? you just plug in. And most people have walls inside of their mind that they never plug into. So they spend all their life looking outside. What's he doing? What's she doing? What are their numbers? What are his commission? What's that? Okay, my sales manager says that's my goal. Okay, fuck it. The guy next to me says this is the goal. I'm embarrassed. My goal is only five. Let me say it's ten. And you build the subconscious habit of chasing everyone else. And you spend so much time that you're literally meditating to everyone else's agenda and never your own. And I find that the, the most successful people in the world weren't in start-stop mode. They're in flow. They're, in fl- they're riding the wave. They're not fighting the current. And a lot of that power comes from within. So long-winded, but uh, plug no, in and the power will flow. You're killing it, man. I, and, and that's why I haven't interrupted you with any of this because everything you're saying <laughs> is spot on and, and you're actually taking up a lot of the questions anyway, just from dovetailing into that. So I appreciate that. And it, it really reminds me of, of a premise that, that I always talk about, which is be, do, have. I don't know if you've heard of that mm, before. I love it. Right? Yeah. But I actually learned that from you back in the day. There we go. You, you, you trained me back in the day, uh, back in solar, man. We were on the same team. It's crazy. Yeah. Long. It's, 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 it's been, it's been a good journey for both of us, man. But just for the listeners that don't know, this concept of be, do, have, it's you're already that person. It's exactly what Omar is saying right now. And it's the premise that you feel other people's goals, for example, might have to be yours, right? Going off what he's saying. For me growing up as you know, a Jewish kid from New York, it's stockbroker, lawyer, doctor, right? If I couldn't fit into one of those three categories, then you know, maybe I wasn't going to be the person that I thought I should have been or my family thought I should have been. But it's when you align with who you are and you realize that I am that person already. I don't have to be anything but who I am. Mm-hmm. That's when you can start acting in alignment with things. And that's when everything you have will materialize in the way that it's going to. Not that the, maybe not the way you want it to, but in the mm-hmm. way that it's going to. And it's detaching from that outcome that really does put you in that position to be in alignment. So everything you said there, Omar, was absolutely beautiful. Now, I want to go back a little bit to your story just so people can get to know you a little bit. So in terms of your first interview, because you aimed big, and I think there's a lot lot to learn from that. 
So can you talk a little bit about the audience here, what your first interview was, how you went about finding, finding this person, and just your mindset and maybe some of the fear and limiting beliefs that you had going into that process that maybe could have stopped you, but you pushed through it anyway. Awesome, man. So I love this question because anytime it comes to talking about, you know, this part of my story, I love. Um, so basically, here's the story about how a breakup with my ex led to me getting three big guests that ended up blowing up the show to reach millions. So here we go. <laughs> and it's just why I also always talk about the fact that it's important to come from something bigger than the thing, right? I wasn't, when I started the podcast, I, di I didn't start the show to get a lot of views or make money or it was, I didn't think like that. Like it, it didn't at all. So here's the story uh, of how a breakup with my ex actually led to me getting three big guests in the name of revenge that ended up reaching millions of people and blowing up the passion of my show. So essentially uh, I was just wrapping up working at Tesla. I quit my job and I was in a place where I was like 24, 25 and I see an, all my friends were starting to have success, momentum. I seen that they were all starting to do well. And I'm like, man, I always had all these dreams, right? I, I, you know, I want to be a professional skateboarder. I still got a skateboard on the wall here. I wanted to be a professional soccer player. I even tried acting. And I, I always felt like I had this internal special thing. I always wanted to be a master of my craft, right? And so I'm, I'm telling you this because I'm just trying to give you context of where I was at emotionally. So you, the story can be perceived through an accurate lens. And so I was just in this really like, you know, frustrated place and everybody around me was like, oh, you're doing so great at Tesla and you're, you know, you know, one of the top sales reps at Tesla. Like, but I was, you know, like Tony Robbins talks about successful, but unfulfilled, right? Success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. And so, you know, I was in a place where I was emotionally messed up. I wasn't happy with my job. And then my ex-girlfriend, um, she broke up with me. Now I had never had a girl break up with me, right? Yeah, the ego on me at the time, especially like psh, nobody breaks up with me, you know. And I was humbled, right, as life will so often do. Uh, and so when she broke up with me, I was like, man, I was devastated because I was already at rock bottom, not feeling like I'm falling behind. I'm like, I'm gonna be 30. I'm gonna be a husband. I'm gonna be somebody who almost had their dreams, almost made X money, but then kind of, what am I gonna do? Just live back in my hometown like everybody else, you know, like. I just knew I wanted more and I saw my life slip by and I couldn't find a vehicle. And, I was, and so many people feel this way. I couldn't find the vehicle, right? Like, what is the thing? And like everyone around you, like, and nobody can really tell you what your thing is. You have, you know, I tell people like to find your thing. It's kind of like a match, you know, a match. You can light it up against a bunch of things. It won't light, but you match it up against one matchbox. You got a fire that could last a lifetime, but most people stop at a certain point. So long story short, I was trying to find my flame. And all this combustion of all this frustration and pressure and all this, I ended up, you know, leading me to self-sabotage, smoking, drinking. And so when my ex-girlfriend, the final straw, rock, rock bottom, where it all changed, was my ex-girlfriend um, broke up with me. And when she broke up with me, I was like, damn, like, okay, like, you don't want my time? I'll show you who wants my time, right? Like, it was like revenge, like, like spiteful motivation, right? And uh, funny looking back, but at the time, that fire, that was the match. That was it. And, uh, and so I was like, man, I want to like, and not say anything to her, not even ever like send her the link. I just, I literally wanted to will it into the universe. That's how much pain I was in. I was like, okay, I wanted the universe to like, uh, like in my mind, I was like, man, I want to see her. I want her to see me win an Academy award. 
and, and thank everybody and say, by the way, you know, Emily, how do you like me now? You know, like it was that kind of a pain, but it was all internal fire. I didn't tell anybody or anything or whatever. So I was clearly in a high intensity pressure cooker. Um, that being said, I knew that she loved Grant Cardone. She loved working out. She was all about fitness. So she used to love quest bars and her biggest, um, enjoyment, her indulgence was hot Cheetos. So what did I do? I went on a mission with no clue, no experience, no money, rock bottom to interview the billion dollar founder of the Cheeto hot Cheetos, billion dollar founder of quest bar, Tom Bilyeu and Grant Cardone. And it's a crazy story of how I got all of them. But over the course of six months, um, I met I, whatever I had to do. I emailed, cold called, door knocked. I used to sleep outside of places to get interviews to try to catch them after speaking engagements that I couldn't afford to get into. Just on this dream of like, I have no idea where this will go, but I was pulled by the universe in this weird way that like just this delusional vortex of something much bigger than, than, than myself. And which is, which the, the story, the plot thickens. So long story short, I ended up getting interviews with all three of them. And all three of those interviews ended up being the most watched and downloaded interviews in the world with all of them right out the gate. Um, and it was like the first 12 months of me actually full on doing interviews that I got those. And, and yeah, ended up blowing up the show and leading to like millions of views and changing my life pretty much. <laughs> so, so it was, so it was, it came from that place, spiteful, which goes to show that no matter the motivation, it's powerful, but it worked. That's amazing. That's amazing. I actually never even knew that part about your ex-girlfriend being the motivation <laughs> behind it. I thought you were just going to say, cause I knew about the Grant Cardone piece, but I, I didn't right. know about the rest of that. So that, that's, yeah. that's awesome. That's the benefit of me getting to do this story is, is, is do this interview is that I get to hear the, uh, the juicy details and so does the audience. So I think that's amazing. So the inside scoop, yep. the inside scoop. Exactly. So in terms of, you know, where you're at now, um, mm -hmm you know, you've interviewed, like, like we said in the introduction, over $10 billion worth of entrepreneurs. What right. is it, you, you've built up this momentum now, right? So let's talk about what those first three interviews really did for you in terms of your credibility and your clout now moving forward to build this brand that you have. Yeah. So uh, for me, it, it's evolved. My, my emotions and my, my motivations have, have really evolved because what happened many times over and what happened and still, you know, at some level, you know, I encounter this, but I've learned that everybody does, um, which is on the outside. You don't think that you assume everybody has it figured out, right? You assume Tony Robbins and Grant Cardone know exactly what they're going to do. And, and they don't, and you just get confident at trusting yourself to not wing it, but to be ready to handle it in the moment. So to be, to wing it prepared, if that makes sense, be prepared to wing it, not just not be prepared to wing. It. big difference, but everyone is, by the way, is winging it. I even, I interviewed the 44th wealthiest man in America, John Paul DeJoria, billionaire founder of Patron Tequila and Paul Mitchell shampoo and conditioner, right? So not one multi-billion dollar company, two multi-billion dollar companies, one of which he had just sold before I interviewed him like six months prior, which was um, Patron. He sold to Bacardi and they did a wire of $5.1 billion. And I asked him, you know, what was it like when the, the money cleared? And he was like, you want to know the first thing I did? I was like, yeah. He was like, I wrote a check to charity for $50 million. <laughs> you know, so even people at that crazy caliber, um, I asked him, I said, is there ever times where you're like looking around and you're like, man, I have thousands of employees we're worldwide. And you think to yourself, like, 
holy shit, like, how did this happen? How am I like one of the wealthiest people in the world? How, you know, how did I sort of wing this into existence, right? And he was like, every day. He goes, I think someone's going to pull me in and be like, you're the biggest fraud ever, you know? Like, he goes, but Omar, let me tell you something. Everyone is winging it. The only difference is, is how much balls people have to wing it. Because as you elevate, you end up becoming competent, right? It's like lifting a weight in the gym. You can't lift it until you start to, and then you get better at lifting it, and then you elevate. Like you have to take the leap before you're ready. And then taking the leap ends up allowing you to pivot so that you can be ready. You know, so it's an iterative process. I There's love no, it. Can, no, I, can no, I just no, jump in and say, can I come in and yeah. one, one thing there? So, and, and I think you just brought up a great point because I want the audience, and, and this is for me as well, it seems like what you're saying is there's so much more competition at the bottom of the barrel for 100%. people thinking small than there is for people like Jean-Paul DeGiorgio, the 44th most wealthy person in America. And it's not because he was uniquely qualified to be that person. It's just because he understood that the competition at the level of people thinking at that level just was not as great, which is a crazy paradox to even think about. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and, and again, feel the fear and do it anyways, you know, and, and, and baby, you could baby step the fear. You can, you can, you can, you know, if you're scared to, um, to call somebody, shoot an email, right. But, but it either you, you to get more of what you want, you have to, in some way, jump over the, the, the border of your mind, throw something over, pay somebody to get over, however it takes to get over that that line, you just have to start tippy toeing your way in. And once you do, you know, like say it's like tippy toeing into a pool. Once you do, when you tiptoe your, 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 your foot into water, like you'll get little, little ripples, very little, nothing's going to come back to you. But when you cannonball, when you go all in, what happens? Boom. You send waves into the universe, just like waves into a pool and the waves come back to you. And when it comes back to you, that's opportunity. That's what people call luck. That's blessings. That's wealth. That's abundance. That's a team. But most people never cannonball. Um, and most people never even dive in. So, um, you know, you got to, whether it's tiptoe or go all in, at some level, the, the universe follows your lead. And um, if, if you don't have the courage to ask for it with action, the universe, how do you expect the universe to have the courage to deliver it to you? You know, you can't action creates traction. I mean, that, that right. goes without saying. And if you're not willing, I love that was beautiful. How you just put that from the analogy of jumping. That's something I'm definitely stealing. Hope you don't mind. But in, ter in terms of just jumping in and creating those waves, everybody thinks that the certainty and, and the, the significance and the understanding will come before the jump. But in reality, mm -hmm. the successful entrepreneur family, uh, you know, family person, all of that stuff happens after you've jumped off the cliff and built your wings on the way down. And it mm -hmm. sounds like that's the biggest common denominator between all these people that you've interviewed is every single one of them. And I love how you said this feels like a fraud even today. So it's almost Correct. like these people at the highest levels are waiting for that moment that they're going to be discovered and it's all going to fall apart. And it's, it's just not the case. And that brings me to my next point with you about remaining present. And I love the fact you mm. talked about meditation because I think that's the only thing and same for me that allows for me to feel like I'm truly in the present moment. And that's not when I feel like a fraud. To be honest with you, mm. I meditated right before I jumped onto this interview because I truly wanted to be present for this. So wow. what are some other tactical advice that you might give some of the listeners when they feel that fear? 
for them to pause for a minute, meditate, whatever it is you might do before going into a really big interview, whether it's with a billionaire or a, a hero of yours or somebody, what, mm -hmm. what do you do? And that's, that's advice for somebody before going into a job interview or going out on their first date or whatever yeah. it might be. Cause it's all, it's all correlates. Yeah. Yeah, so I actually, it's funny. I didn't do this initially. I did this probably, been doing the show about four and a half, almost five years now. I I did this um, maybe like two years in. Uh, because after every interview, I'd always kick myself and be like, dang it, I should have done this. Shit, I should have done this. Dang, I should have said this. Why didn't I say that? Why did I? And I would just beat up on myself nonstop. Nonstop, you know, I'm just my own worst critic. Why did I say that? Why did I wear that? I'm like, God, I'm such an idiot. Why did I? Why did I interrupt them? I'm like, why did I keep saying, mm, why did I, why did I like think I have to talk so much? Why did I like, you know, so there's a million things. Uh, and, and I was trying, it was driving me nuts to the point where it was almost subconsciously motivating me to not do more. Right. Some, something that somebody who watches the show would never even remotely think I would deal with. Right. Just to illustrate vulnerability to your listeners. We all experience that at many levels. Um, but you know, for me, it's like, I, I just realized that I have to forgive myself in advance, right? So for example, I, I, you know, like when I hired my assistant, I said, hey, straight up, you know, we have a fast paced environment. We have X, Y, Z, you know, I told her all this stuff. And I said, and heads up, like I, my schedule's crazy. So like if I'm moving or going here, this, like I run late for things often, if there's not a, you know, if there's certain criteria of when it's scheduled, like you can, so I just upfront communicate that, right? So I find that for me, what I did is to mitigate my inner dialogue, I kind of use that philosophy and just upfront, I throw a little prayer out and I just say, I got this from Tony. I make sort of hybrid of my own. I just say, I now command my subconscious mind to direct me in helping as many people as possible today to give me the strength, the brevity, the persuasion, the power, whatever it takes to help these people change their lives now. And I pray God that the right words come out of me and I forgive myself in advance for anything I'm not happy with down the road. I trust that this is how it was meant to flow. Amen. And I roll. And by saying that, I anchor, I've forgiven myself in advance. I try to call upon the present wisdom. You know, for me, it's divinely sourced. But I just try to anchor that. And then I trust what happens. And now I laugh at the, if I'm like, uh, oh, I should have done this, should have done that. I'm like, man, I just, I love my craft, I guess. I never let it go, right? So just by taking a simple mental angle, I now have a sustainable solution for those emotional drags that can occur. That's just one granular example. I love that. And the biggest thing I hope, because this is what I'm getting, and I hope everybody, mm -hmm. the, the audience listening is getting the same thing. The self-awareness component of this is huge. Yes. Yes. It, yes. it comes down to, and I love that you're interviewing such high profile people and, you, and you're sharing the same vulnerability from them is mm -hmm. the fact that nobody has it all figured out. Correct. Everybody's moving forward one step at a time into the unknown and where there's comfort, there is no growth. And where there's growth, there is no comfort. And everybody's moving through that. And it's so interesting that even with what you just said with your, with your interview process, up front, you're saying, I know this isn't going to be perfect, but, I, but I'm going to enjoy it and appreciate it. I'm not going to beat myself up about it because nothing is perfect. Right. And, and I that, forgive myself in advance. Yep. And it's that feeling of perfection that holds so many people back from even just taking the steps, knowing that perfection is unattainable, but yet the process of trying to figure yourself out is what life is all about. And I think that's the process there. So feel free to run with that wherever you'd like to take that. Yeah, well, I, I think perfection is an illusion and, and, and I'll, I'll um, give you my thesis on it in one simple um, 
question or sentence, I guess. Um, Brett, can you name me one thing in this world that is actually perfect? No. Governments aren't perfect. Perspectives aren't perfect. Our bodies aren't perfect. Our cells aren't perfect. Um, paper that Bible is printed on with ink is sometimes unaligned a little bit by, you know, very small, right? So nothing is perfect. So, okay, so, so that means that if that's a goal, we, we've now defined the game in a non-winnable way from the get. Okay, so perfection is not, okay. So the next question is, what is? What is the focus if it's not perfection? And that answer is one word, and that is progress. Progress. What someone calls perfect is simply someone else's progress, right? When you see an athlete, when you see somebody who's working out, maybe, oh, their physique is perfect, right? That's someone else's progress. So these narratives create illusions, and we latch onto the wrong illusions and internally communicate. It's inaccurate communication, not because we're bad people, but I find that, and you mentioned the self-awareness is huge, I find that that comes from conversations with yourself. And most of the time, if your, your conversations with yourself when your eyes are open are insecurities. When they're closed, they're not. You talk, you literally listen to your power flow. You listen to, and meditation for me is about listening. Your body is telling you so many things, you know, so many things. Um, you're picking up so many things and none of us listen. So we're like trapped by his goals and his goal. And how, how ironic, all of us like all the same music. All of us want to make $10,000 a month. All of us want a brand new Tesla. Like that's a really major coincidence, you know? So I, I don't think, I don't think people are tuned in. I think they're tuned into what's around them, not what's in them. And I that think your power, your power is what's in you. And, and, and to wrap up the point, I was, I was telling a, a good friend this um, two days ago. Uh, yeah, two days ago on Friday that just to touch on, on one quick point that like if you if you are trying to do something and you're not sure how or you're stuck or you're where a lot of people are, uh, 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 what do I do? It's so funny to me how people will do everything but close their eyes for 20 minutes and just listen and whereas and this is and i believe this is in god's infinite wisdom designed check this out meditation for me the reason i love it is a lot of things in life can be different let's say you're homeless you know on one end of the spectrum somebody's homeless one end of the spectrum somebody's a billionaire well if you're the difference between a homeless and a billionaire in the experience of eating pretty different homeless to billionaire difference in terms of you know um, choices, different. In terms of where they sleep, different. In terms of who they sleep with, probably different, right? Uh, right. So many differences. Same human being, same flesh, same, so many differences. But in meditation, we're all equal. We all experience it the same. Whether you're in a jail cell, whether you're broke, whether you're a billionaire, that infinite intelligence is inside. Impenetrable by wealth, impenetrable by him or her or that. That's your gift that nobody on this planet can tune into but you. And we never tune in. And we wonder why we're lost. We are walking compasses. We are literally walking compasses, looking at where everyone else is going, never looking inside at our own. And if you don't calibrate that, you spend your whole life running around looking for answers that were already inside of you. If you lose a key, right, of your house inside your home, and you spend, think about how small that house will be. I don't care how big it actually is, but in the context of the rest of the world, 
that key, if it's in your house, you could spend night and day, you can hire every human being on earth to look for the key outside and no one will find it because you cannot find outside what you have inside. And what people are craving, what people are searching for when they're lost is alignment and alignment is within. So that's, that's how I look at it. Beautiful. You've been dropping so many golden nuggets on this one, man. I appreciate that. And I am such a big fan of the concept of the quality of the questions you ask yourself is going to be the quality of your life. And I think 100%. you and I, you and I are big, big psychology people in that sense where how many people, and I want to dovetail off your topic right there about the fact that nobody looks internal. It's the same thing about nobody assesses the questions they're asking themselves because your mind really is Google right? And that ties into your reticular activating system. If you're walking around all day long and you're asking yourself, why am I not good enough? Why do all my relationships fail? Why do I, why do I not make the money I want to make? Why do I not have the job I want? Guess what's going to happen? Your mind, it's one input in input out, right? Whatever you're typing into Google, if you type in, Hey, why am I not good enough into your mind? Your Mm -hmm. mind is going to go through the entire Rolodex of why you're not good enough. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the same thing when you go out and buy a brand new car, right? It's the same reason you're going to now start seeing that car everywhere. Your mind, same thing Omar just shared with us here. You need to be tuned in, but you also need to be conscious of the questions you're asking yourself because your mind inherently wants to go negative. Your brain Mm -hmm. is meant to keep you safe. So if you're not being conscious of the questions you're asking yourself, be careful because you're going to end up going, going and finding negative because that's how we're wired as human beings for safety. So there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with you. It's actually how you were programmed. And I wanted to make sure that that point was, was really tied into what you just shared with meditation, because if you can really do those two things, your entire life is going to change. hundred percent, dude. And, and, and to, just to kind of piggy tail on that, the framing of the experience creates the experience. In other words, you choosing to look at it that way is what brings it to life. It has no life unless you breathe life into it with thought, with action. If I tell you, and you, if you want proof of that to any listener, I know this is crazy, but if the listener watched, watch how much I, I can control your focus with a question. What color is the underwear you're wearing right now? You don't have to answer the question, but I guarantee you beyond a shadow of a doubt, you just went inside of your head and answered that question. Thinking is nothing but the process of asking and answering questions in your head. If you disagreed with that right now, as you heard it, you went in your head and said, is that true? Do I want to eat here? Do I want to go here? Should I wear this? Question. It's all, it's all we're doing. We're computers. Question, answer. And the beautiful part I've learned is that we are responsible for the questions. Our subconscious power has the answers. And thinking that you have to have the answers, you have to think your way into answers, I guarantee you is a recipe to be stuck. Think about people who are stuck. I know, I know very successful people that a lot of people think are dumb because they don't really think too much. They kind of move. They take action. And I know some of the most intelligent human beings ever who can talk and think, who, you know, are in their 40s or 50s, still living in the same hometown, never having achieved any of their dreams, and never having, they on their own, no judgment on them, but they on their own will tell you that, like, they are not living the best quality of life possible, but wonderful intellectuals. They have wonderful reasons why they didn't start the business. Wonderful reasons about how they saved what they did have. Is it very well articulated, very intelligent, right? So intelligence is not the difference. And it's a trust in self, a self-faith. That is the difference. That, that is the ascension, right? There is no ascension without faith. Um, so 
I know that, you know, I know that was kind of a, a little bit of a tangent, but you know, that's, that's kind of how I look at it. I'm loving this. I'm loving this. I, I, I think this is, I mean, this is, this is a masterclass right now for anybody that's listening and, and you're, you're, you're adding so much value. So may I to, give one more, may I give one more example about take as, um, take, take as much time as you'd like. Beautiful. So uh, I'll give you a quick, funny story about um, an experience I had. Yeah. Like three, four days ago. I, uh, so this is cool. So this is just to give you context up front, right? Communication, good communication is important. Um, to give you context up front, this is, this is what I mean about nothing in life has any meaning except the meaning you give it, right? In, in essence, you framing the experience in your mind creates the reality of the experience, right? My representation of the experience becomes my reality. Essentially, I went to a uh, Walmart to go look at big screen TVs the other day. And we went and they have a bunch of huge screen TVs. But for some reason, my smart self didn't even think about the fact that a you know, 75-inch TV doesn't fit inside of my Mercedes Benz. <laughs> I just never thought about it before I went. So I go all the way to this, you know, the Walmart that has it. Everything's closed. This Walmart it has like one in stock. So we go. So I'm going to pay for it in front. And... I, we realized when we we're paying, they were like, Oh, do you need help taking it to the car? And we we're like, Oh shoot. Like it's not going to fit in the car. So now me and my buddy are here with 75 inch TV that, you know, we can't take. So most people would go, shit, man, waste of time. Damn. Why didn't I think of that, man? I'm so oh, waste of time. I can't believe it. Right. People get in there. Right? But no, I, mean, I, I choose to live in a beautiful city. So I chose, I said, Hmm, what's good about this? What's the blessing here? And I literally was talking to my buddy and I was like, dude, we're here for it to be a blessing. Right. Like, by the way, I have zero actual belief that that is the reason, but I'm creating that. I am, I am, I'm now looking, I'm turning on the radar. Like the, what color your underwear? Where's the blessing, right? Subconsciously, your brain will find it. Even if it didn't exist, it will create it into reality. Um, and so I was like, oh, what's the blessing? What's the blessing? And I, I shit you not, Brett. Then the guy next to us in line behind us comes up. It's an older gentleman. He's 79 years old and he has all these groceries, right? And he goes to pay and we overhear that he's like, oh, dang, I forgot my wallet, this, that, the other, like real genuine guy. It feels really genuine, you know, and they know him and he's a regular and he's in a wheelchair by himself, single guy, whatever, divorce, 79. And, and I look at my buddy Mark and I'm like, dude, that's the blessing. Literally seconds prior, it was like, He's like, you know, like what? So I look back. So I, of course, I take care of the guy's groceries. And he's so thankful. He's like, oh, you know, thank you so much, man. I'm so thankful. And, and I swear, you know, I, I, I have money. Please let me pay you back. Can I cut you a check, please? Like, let me get your con. So nice. I said, don't worry about it, sir. Like something in me told me a blessing would be here. And so you've probably done something good in the world that, you know, I'm just paying it forward to you through God. So you must have done something right. And he's like, oh, thank you. Long story short, I ended up going outside. This gentleman is a multi, multi, multi-millionaire who owns lots of commercial real estate in and around Orange County, very close to where I live, and is working on deals that I'm interested in, have been saving to invest in. He is connect, well connect, more well-connected than anybody I could have intentionally connected with. And now he is indebted to me. He has created a piece of art. He's an artist as well. And now all these blessings have happened from this friendship because not because I paid for his groceries, 
not because I went to buy a big screen TV, not because I'm a good communicator, certainly not because I went to Walmart at midnight. There's all these facts, right? Simply because I asked the question, where is the blessing? And that is available to you, whether you have money, you don't have money, you're, you're lost in life, things are going great, you want to get to the next level. There's always a blessing, but you cannot create it without asking, right? Like, I can't tell you how many times I've run into people for interviews where like blessings happened or things came to me. You don't know the ripple effect of things. You don't know that. I, God, I have so many stories of this that, that would, it would blow your mind. I, I was in, uh, I was in, I was trying to interview David Goggins and I went to Las Vegas last year. Here's another story. And I wrote down um, that I would like to, live in an energy space where guests are where I would be. And it's casual and it's, right. And I shit you not the next day I have a photo I put up on my Instagram. Um, you guys can check it out. I literally was in the encore in Las Vegas. I'm walking and I see this guy looks like Goggins like the next day. And I'm like, no way. I'm like, okay. Like, this is like, my God, like that was instant. Right. But I can't like, no one around me knows that I had this inner thing, but I'm like internally freaking out. And lo and behold, I'm like, oh, excuse me, sir, you David Goggins takes out his name. He's like, yeah, pleasure to meet you. Ended up talking to David Goggins. He had his contact info. And I can't tell you how many times my entire show was won like that. There's not a single person I interviewed that I had a relationship with. So any single billionaire, this, that, the other. One more example, how I got the billionaire earlier. I mentioned John Paul DeJoria. Check this out. I was at the gym working out one time. And this is why I think speaking things into existence, speaking your passions into the world, cannonballing, if you will, is important. I was at the gym and <clears throat> I was working out with my uh, personal trainer, Justin, and <clears throat> Justin kind of knew I did a podcast and he had wonderful connections to that world because his mom is a franchise owner of one of the Paul Mitchell schools. And they actually are direct business partners and very good friends with John Paul, right? But to Justin, that's just JP, who he grew up with, right? So there's so many people around you. For men and women listening, here's the, I'm going to finish the story, but here's the, the practical takeaway. There's so many people around you that have that missing link that if you had that, your dreams would explode. But to them, they take it for granted because it's not that important a piece for their story. And if you're not communicating your dreams, they won't know to give you those pieces to make yours happen. And so we hold it in and we hope for a miracle. We think we have to do all the work. No, the magic is in the coincidence. That's what gives you the unfair advantage. The un, un, those unfair advantages over time, they will, they will do far more than you working hard every single day, tooth and nail, writing emails or whatever your manual process is to an interview or whatever the parallel is. So Justin goes, Justin goes, oh, dude, would you want to interview JP? Because I was telling him, I want to interview somebody big. I want this. And he's like, oh, would you ever interview John Paul DeJoria? I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. I was like, you know, he's like, yeah. He's like super good friends with my mom and dad. He's sitting over for dinner all the time. I'm like, no way you could make that happen. He's like, yeah. That was a Monday. By Wednesday, it was confirmed. 30 days later, we had the most popular interview in the world with John Paul DeJoria. Right? And, and that's just one example, but there are so many. That, that one thing has changed my entire life. Questions. Uh -huh. Uh, it's 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 dead on and and i think just again to put a bow on that it's it's the blessing it's the belief it's the synchronicities
But mm -hmm. all of that doesn't happen without clarity of vision, mm -hmm. right? Like you knew what you wanted. And if mm -hmm. all of these other people that might be floating around achieving less than, than they feel like they're worth, if they just got clear on their vision and then got out of the way, mm -hmm. that's the, that's, that's the formula, right? right. Because again, you don't, you didn't know you were going to run into David Goggins at the Encore Hotel. You didn't know your personal trainer was going to be connected to John Paul DeGiorio. Mm -hmm. You knew what you wanted and mm -hmm. therefore the universe conspired to make it happen for you. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. everybody's holding on to the way that this has to unfold, that they're missing maybe some of the diversion, some of the, some of the different course corrections that the universe might be trying to take them on or whatever that higher power for you might be that mm -hmm. might actually lead you to your vision, but you're too stuck that things have to unfold a certain way to actually see the signs. I don't know if you would yeah. agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I would. And I think, I think there has to be, you know, it, it kind of comes to the point of trust the process, enjoy the process. But I think, to, I think, you know, one thing for me I've learned, and this is actually what I love to talk about, is like I learned that comprehension exceeds communication in value. What I mean by that is like no matter how – I used to think communication was the number one thing in life. I, I still think it's the most important um, skill muscle to develop. Um, but I've learned that the number one thing is not actually communication. It's comprehension uh, in my perspective because no matter how well I speak French, no matter how fluent I am in some sort of um, language, if you don't comprehend it, it has limited utility. So only comprehension is the threshold by which relevance transformation occurs. And when, when you tell people who are not in process, love the process, they go, what, what fucking process? I'm not in a process, right? They're outside of the process. So, so like trust the process, love the process to them. So even though it's true, it is not something that they can plug in and, and now they're going to take action. So I think a much healthier um, way to communicate the message to people who are outside of a process is um, think of processes you already love or finish lines you already enjoy and just like knowledge, right? Knowledge, learning something new is the process of linking the known to the unknown. Boom. And then you add it. You know, if I say, hey, I have a yacht. You know, when you're a kid, the first time you hear a yacht, you go, what's a yacht? And you go, oh, it's a big boat. Okay, now boom. Now your brain, how, this is literally the process of learning at a, at a neurological level. Your brain goes, oh, I know a boat. Okay, yacht is a bigger boat. Boom. Yacht is big boat. This is boat. Okay, boom. Now we package the information, right? So like people have that power too in all areas of their life. And for me, I think that when someone is trying to go into a process, they have to attach, okay, you don't know what your yacht process is. What's your boat process? What do you, what do you do every day? What, what are you so consistent at without even trying? It doesn't matter what it is. I don't care if it's eating hot Cheetos. I don't care if it's, uh, you know, like watching reruns of a certain show. Maybe you like to walk. Maybe you like to talk about flop, right? But like you have, so I just start at the root. You start at the root. You start with what you know and you let it grow. So like find a way to link it. For me, fitness is an area I struggled in for a long time. I focused on the show and money and all these other things, but I never cared to be fit. I didn't ever care to have a six pack to get girls. I mean, I did care, but I'm like, yeah, the worst, the work's not worth it. Right. But that just means that the unknown isn't connected to something to me that's emotionally known. 
So I have two unknown, two unknown variables. The brain doesn't work on that. It needs something it knows to act on, right? This is why people get a personal trainer. A personal trainer is someone, okay, I can know I can latch on to the personal trainer's advice to the unfamiliar workout. So now I'm attaching a known to the unknown. Boom. A sales transaction. Oh, well, it's kind of like your electric bill. It's just that you create metaphors of relevance, right? And you attach, and that's how, that's how we go. So the same is true for us. Um, my point here is that I linked up, I tried all these different things and I would never stick. And then lately I've been on such a good one the last couple months because now I linked in my head so simple, but I'm like, Oh, the more fit I am, the better skateboarder I can be. The lighter I am, the stronger I feel, the more I'll make better business decisions. Right. And then, but for a long time I was like, Oh, like I've done pretty well without it. And I know a lot of buff people around me that make, make way less money than me. So, you know, so that didn't anchor it. But when I lumped it in there with all the other stuff, I'm like, man, I could be fucking Superman. And it got a, it became a, the vision became emotionally compelling because I attached it to the something known. And and if it doesn't strike you emotionally, it has to strike you emotionally for it to strike your feet, <laughs> right? Like inspiration travels from your head through your body to your feet, <laughs> and most of us have it here and can never get it past the heart to get to the feet. It just stays here and like ah. So it has to get to your heart. If it gets to your heart, it gets to your feet. So you got to connect it with something that's already in your heart. Maybe, you know, Ed Milet talks about this concept of like the reason he got fit or his motivation for fitness in his 20s was someone said, you know, how do you want to look on the day of your daughter's wedding? And he said to him, no matter what, at four in the morning, he thinks, oh, got to be strong for my daughter's wedding. Boom. That's his anchor. And that's it. There's no negotiation. But, but most people don't have a compelling vision. Your, your emotions respond to your, what you're emotionally representative of the thing. Right. And most people have very poor. You mentioned Google earlier. You know, if I say cupcake, the word cupcake to, to the audience listening, they will they now did a mental Google search in their mind of all their mental references of cupcakes, cupcakes they've seen, cupcakes they've liked, cupcakes they don't like that are unique to their experience. And for each of us, we get to control those images and we never filter them. And so I think I know there's a lot of like uh, I'm kind of geeking out with you here, but I think. These are the types of things that if people control, the, they would be pulled in the direction of things rather than pushing themselves in the direction of things. And I think that's where the difference happens. I don't think Steve Jobs was listening to Tony Robbins to build Apple. I loved Tony Robbins, but there was a fire inside um, and it was the vision. The vision pulled them no matter the debts, no matter the obstacles, no matter the this, and you become pulled. And I think, I think the ultimate um, goal that most people have is to be pulled by something. Um, not trying to, not just pushing themselves to be something. It makes total sense. That makes total sense. And, and, and it's, and it's so interesting you bring that up and I'm learning so much and I'm sitting here taking notes on this stuff as well. And I think it's just so interesting from a personal example, from my side, I watched my father get up for work at one in the morning to do something he hated for 40 years. And there was right. massive friction around that to the point where became, you know, he's been in AA now for almost 25 years and, you know, it's changed him tremendously as a man and he wouldn't mind me sharing this. Um, and then, you know, when he retired, he almost had a, he had a massive heart attack and almost died. And I think there's wow. just so much, so many examples of that. And that's not how it's supposed to be. Right. right. And, and going back to, it's ironic, your first ever interview that really blew you up was Grant Cardone. Right. right. And I went to Grant Cardone's first ever 10X growth conference back in 2017. And you mentioned people making millions of dollars playing video games. and, and that's exactly what I, what I met there. I met these two kids and I say they were kids because they were 16 years old 
and they were both making almost $2 million a year building Minecraft servers. So wow. it's exactly what you're talking about. And the reason I brought up both of those examples is my father's my hero because of what he did for our family and the sacrifice he made. But, you know, I had the opportunity to take over that business, be third generation owner. And I watched what it did to my dad and it just was never going to happen that way for me. And then I met these two kids right at the time my father was about to sell the business that were making $2 million a year playing video games. And my dad never even came close to that, right? So I think for everybody listening, the bottom line is, is that it's not just about hard work because if hard work made you successful, my father would have been a billionaire, but it's really right. about operating within the place of where you're meant to be and not, well, what, please go ahead. Well, I, sorry, I just wanted to iterate. I didn't mean to cut it is the alignment. I was thinking about this today. Like Conor McGregor, he fights twice a year. He's the highest paid athlete in the world. I actually think I saw a thing that said he spent the, less, the least amount of time actually competing, and he's the highest paid athlete on the Forbes whatever list this year, right? And, I, and, I, and then I, I was really thinking about how that works. Now, obviously, people are like, well, duh, he sells pay-per-view, makes a lot of money. But I kind of zoom out from a philosophical perspective, and I'm looking, why does the pattern repeat? How can I in my own way, tap into this, this pattern. And I realized that what Connor does is an alignment with a lot of people. Think about that. You get paid in proportion to the alignment of the marketplace. Right? And so, like, the more... If you're chasing, like running around, like at a subconscious level, like, oh, what are you aligned with? What are you aligned? And you're guessing what you want to do based on what others are aligning themselves. Oh, let's, let's do this to make money. Let's do that to make money, right? I guarantee you those kids who built Minecraft servers started playing Minecraft first and the flow of that led to the Minecraft server. You see what I'm saying? So flow takes you in places that you don't know. This is why I tell people do what you enjoy there's a magic to it. There's a, there's an, there's a, there's an ROI on inspiration. That's why people drive to the beach for no reason in the middle of the day by themselves. You may be inspired to go to a painting class and the painting class may, um, like you may not become Picasso and get paid for it, but maybe you meet like your wife or your husband in the painting class because they too were in alignment with that vibe, right? Which means you guys are probably on a similar path of line or maybe like, that is a customer that needs what you sell the owner or now you get a deal on school right like there's just so many like infinite waves of possibility um by you following your inspirations and this is why i think alignment is so powerful and here's the other thing if you're internally aligned when others align with you um you can count on that you can bank on that you have a much more sustainable flow of life energy army business whatever it is um, then if you're just guessing what the alignment is until you guess later and you, then you'll be in and out of all these different situations, having just temporarily joined the alignment of others and your finances will reflect that. I saw, I saw a thing that says most billion dollar companies, obviously there's, there's, you know, anomalies in the fact that tech, you know, things can blow up, but most of these companies have been around for these companies, corporations and hundreds of millions of dollars. They've been around for decades decades and if you saw some of their their numbers the first or second year you'd laugh you'd laugh you know but it's it's playing that long game and if it's aligned with you know the way in which you see things happening even if you're a mcdonald's right like ray Kroc, right maybe the healthiest food wasn't aligned with him or whatever people may judge it but was aligned with him is how can it create a system to scale that was compelling to him that was 
that was his juice. So you find ways, even if the business is not sexy. I know dudes, I'm sure you do too, who knock doors, who like the, the work may not be sexy, but to them, hitting this amount of money, going here with their family. So when they're knocking, they're knocking to feed the vision. They're not knocking to like make a, make a big check and take friends to dinner. So what the, 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 the movie you're playing in your head as it relates to what you're doing has more to do with what you're doing than what your physical hands are actually working on doing. <laughs> and that pattern I've seen repeat a trillion times over. I love that. I love that. You and I could continue this conversation for hours, <laughs> but just in the, for, for the sake of time here, um, this has just been an incredible interview. I wanted to give you just another quick 30 or 60 seconds. If there's any sure. final tips, anything you'd like to leave the audience with, because there was so much value and there was so much good stuff that was given out in this, in this quick conversation here. So please close this out. And then I'm, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be quiet. Awesome, man. So my, my best piece of advice in the last 30 or 60 seconds would be you're going to die and nobody's coming to save you. And I don't say that to be, um, you know, shocking. I don't say that to um, scare you. I say that to inspire you that more people throughout human history are dead than they are alive. But guess what? If you're listening to this, me and you have a chance, like we're breathing, we're inhaling, exhaling. We are literally living miraculous beings. We don't know where we came from. A lot of us have ideas of where we're going, but we're wrapped in skin, flesh, and bones. And if you want to create something amazing for your life with this gift that you have, this miracle of a gift, you are a walking miracle. Your actions will also be miraculous if you have faith in them. If you don't believe in your power, you do not create, you do not tap into it. You do not tap into it. And it is all inside of you if you'll just have the courage to listen. So don't waste your life. Remember, nobody's coming to save you. And anytime you get in your head, you're dead. And remember, this world belongs to the doers, not the thinkers. So I hope this um, interview inspired you guys. You guys can follow me on Instagram at Omar underscore the rock star. Check out the Passion Feel on YouTube. Reach out to Brett, reach out to me, DM me. I'd love to read your guys' messages and um, get to learn more from you guys and about you guys and if there's any way I can help. But that's what I would say is you're going to die. Nobody's coming to save you. And if you want a practical takeaway, spend 20 minutes alone for 10 days. Close your eyes. Don't judge the meditation. Simply set a timer and silently close your eyes, breathe, smile. And no matter what your stresses, your challenges, your obstacles, your goals, relax. Just let them flow. Don't, don't try to tame it. Don't try to force it. If you can literally keep your eyes closed and set a timer for 20 minutes and not open them till the end of that, answers and ideas and insights and visions and clarity of focus and people and money will come to you from places smoother, easier, lighter, and you can have more success with less stress. I promise you that if you'll just listen within. That was beautiful. Nothing else to say there. Omar, thank you so much for your time. And thank you to everybody for joining us for another episode of the Grow to Gold podcast. Please subscribe if you have not done yet on Spotify and iTunes. Give us a like, a review. It helps us to organically grow the show. And we appreciate your time. We look forward to catching you on the next episode. Take care.